Good evening, my dear friends and curious souls. Welcome to Mysteries After Dark, a horror podcast. My name, you may wonder. Just think of me as your old grandpa, spinning tales from a time long gone, and some from not-so-distant past. In my younger days, my grandkids would crowd around me, their eyes wide in anticipation or fear, eager for the evening's gruesome tales. Now I extend this tradition, this gift, to you. So pull up a chair, stoke that fireside, and let the shadows dance on every corner of the room. Let's journey together into the heart of darkness, where we unmask the unseen, discover forbidden secrets, and unburden the forgotten tales of the past. So dim the lights, my friends, and let's delve into the mysteries that emerge only after dark on our wonderful, unnerving journey. Dear Mysteries After Dark podcast, let me take you back to May 2005. I was a mere teenager then, not more than 15 or 16 years old, when an experience happened that still sends shivers down my spine. My friend and I were lounging on a patch of secluded land, its history tainted by a house that once stood there, burned down and abandoned years prior. One day while we were there, it started to rain, and we sought refuge under the canopy of a massive tree. With the ground turned into a muddy mess, we had the idea to find something to sit on. My friend remembered seeing some discarded wooden pallets across the field, past a small, decrepit fence. As we made our way there, an uncanny feeling immediately washed over me the moment I crossed the fence. An eerie coldness pervaded the area, a stark contrast to the warm field we had just left. We ventured into the wooded area, descended a grassy hill, and there we found the wooden pallets amidst overgrown bushes and trees. We picked up a pallet and started the ascent, my friend leading the way. Five or six steps into our climb, my friend turned to me, his words cut short as his gaze was pulled away from me. Suddenly his face turned ghostly white, he dropped the pallet and took off running. Puzzled, I turned around and saw a white figure among the trees. My first thought was that it was a mere plastic bag entangled among the branches. Dismissing it as a joke, I called out to my friend to stop fooling around and help me. But when I looked back, the white figure was now closer and to my right. It was then that I saw that it wasn't a bag, but a white, smoky figure. Instantly, I dropped the pallet and sprinted after my friend vowing never to return to that field. I remember that the place gave me a chilling, unsettling feeling, as if someone or something was watching us. A few days later, we learned that a person had died in the fire that had consumed the house on that land. We hadn't shared our experience with anyone yet, but then we heard stories about a rope swing that used to be in that same area. Apparently, many had lost grip mid-swing and suffered injuries, seemingly without reason. That leaves me with these unnerving questions. Did we witness a ghost that day? Was the eerie feeling we experienced related to the tragic history of that place? Was the figure we saw the soul of the person who perished in the fire? Or was it all just a figment of our imagination? To this day, my friend and I refrain from discussing that fateful afternoon. Every time I think about it, a chill runs through me. My eyes water 
and I feel that same unsettling sensation I felt that day. Dear Mysteries After Dark Podcast, let me share with you a personal tale that turned me from a skeptic to a believer in the supernatural. It might not be the most terrifying story you've heard, but let me assure you, it's the kind of experience you wouldn't wish on anyone. At the time, I was living in Austin, Texas, in an apartment complex that once housed a school for the disabled. Strange occurrences were commonplace in my living space. Ball bouncing sounds and the scraping noise of a chair moving in the dining area would often interrupt the silence. What was more unnerving was the fact that these sounds would cease the moment I came closer, only to resume from a different corner of the room. One day, I was taking a short nap when I felt an unexpected weight beside me, like someone had joined me in bed. With my heart pounding, I turned to confront the intruder, only to find an indentation on the mattress and no one else. My mother, upon hearing my story, admitted similar experiences. But the weirdest and the most terrifying incident was yet to come. Cue suspenseful sound effect. One night, sleeping with the bathroom light on out of fear, I woke up to an excruciating pain in my back. It felt as if something, or someone, was struggling to rise from within me. And the worst part? My body was completely paralyzed. I tried to scream, hoping my brother, who was sleeping in the living room, would hear me. But my screams were stuck, echoless in my own throat. As the struggle continued, the pain intensified. Suddenly I saw a soft, eerie glow. Finally, after what seemed like eternity, I felt the weight lift and I could move again. I turned around to find a little boy dressed in white, sporting an old-fashioned bowl haircut. He looked at me, gave a chilling smile, and vanished into thin air. Of course, when I shared my encounter with my brother, he dismissed it as a bad dream. But I knew better. I knew then who had been playing with the kitchen chairs, bouncing the ball, and joining me in my bed. Stay tuned for more chilling tales, dear listeners, on Mysteries After Dark podcast. Dear Mysteries After Dark Podcast, Here's a story about our family's beloved pet, a chubby little black poodle named Mikey. Mikey was more than just a pet. He was practically a sibling to me, my sister, brother, and cousins. We all grew up together, but when I was about seven or eight, Mikey, at a ripe old age of 15, fell seriously ill. It was a tough call, but we decided it would be best to put him down. A few weeks after saying our goodbyes to Mikey, my grandma, or as we lovingly call her nanny, had an encounter that might give you goosebumps or a heartwarming smile, depending on how you look at it. One evening, as she was sitting alone in her house, she heard a familiar sound echoing through the rooms. It was the sound of dog nails clicking against the hardwood floor, followed by a soft jingle. Keep in mind, the entrance to her house had a shiny stone floor that gleamed under the sunlight 
leading to a carpeted den and dining room. So hearing sounds akin to dog nails on a hardwood floor. Unsettling. Out of the corner of her eye, she caught a glimpse of a black figure darting across the room. When she turned to get a better look, it had vanished. But the fleeting sight was enough for her to recognize the shape. It was Mikey, or at least what she believed to be his spirit. After that night, no one saw or heard anything unusual. We like to believe that Mikey had just come to say his final goodbye. What a great dog, huh? Stay tuned for more tales of the unexplained, dear listeners. Until next time, this is your Mysteries After Dark Ghostwriter, signing off. Dear Mysteries After Dark Podcast, let me take you on a spine-chilling journey to a home that was once a haven for me and my children, a home that harbored secrets we were yet to discover. As you step through the entrance of the house, you're greeted by a cozy living room. To the right, you'd find our homely kitchen, and to the left, a somewhat mysterious hallway. Venturing down this corridor, the first room on the right was the smallest of the bedrooms, followed by the bathroom, and eventually leading you to the master bedroom. Now, if you were to retrace your steps back to the kitchen and take the hallway on the left, you'd find another bedroom. Just across the bathroom, discreetly tucked away on the right, is a back door leading to an area housing the washer and dryer, and yet another bedroom. I remember one evening quite vividly, me and my kids were nestled in our living room, absorbed in some television show. I happened to glance towards my room and noticed the hallway light blazing. Assuming I'd left it on, I went and switched it off. As I settled back onto the couch, my son piped up. Mom, the light is back on. Puzzled, I asked my kids if any of them had ventured back there, but they all denied. Intrigued and a little perturbed, I sent my son to switch off the light. Before he'd reached halfway down the hall, he came sprinting back, breathless. Mom! There's a man back there. Taken aback, I rushed to investigate, finding no trace of the man but an eerily open back door. We hastily packed up and sought refuge at my sister's place next door. The police arrived shortly after. They scoured the entire house but found no signs of intrusion. They reassured us it was safe to return, but that was far from the truth. Little did we realize, this was just the beginning of a series of inexplicable events. Everyday items started shifting positions on their own. Doors would close while no one was in the room, and an ominous feeling lingered in the air. My sister, who felt the eerie presence, warned us that there were spirits residing within our home. Despite these unnerving occurrences, we continued living there for a while. The children's friends, however, refused to spend the night due to the unsettling vibes, often waking up at 2 a.m., scared and pleading for their parents to fetch them. Thankfully, these spirits never caused us any harm. Eventually, we decided to leave this spectral dwelling. And so, dear listeners, that's the chilling tale of our haunted house, an ordinary home that held extraordinary secrets.
Dear Mysteries After Dark Podcast, Today I have a bone-chilling story for you that unfolded in the heart of California at a military installation known as Camp Roberts. Constructed rapidly back in the 1940s, this base served as a cradle for basic training exercises and boasted an impressive hospital quarters within its 200-300 block. Nine of the original buildings from the hospital still stand, with eight confined within a locked gated area. To give you a sense of the vastness, a brisk walk from one side of these buildings to the other would take you a good two minutes. Connecting these structures were wooden walkways, now dismantled, save for remnants visible at one location, Building 308. This walkway was replaced by a staircase and a platform that now holds two soda machines. Adjacent to Building 308 is Building 307, and behind these two lay Building 315 and 305, respectively. Further back, about 50 feet diagonally, you'd find Building 303, with Building 304 right next to it. All of these structures feature entrances at their ends, yet only Buildings 303 and 304 break the mold of one elongated hallway. On one fateful night, when the veil of darkness had already descended, my colleague and I had the task of securing these buildings. As I was locking up buildings 307 and 305, he was supposed to handle buildings 308 and 315. After finishing with 307, I crossed the compound's heart towards building 308 to urge him to speed up. As I spotted him by the soda machines, he vanished before I could reach him. Given the open layout, there was no chance he could have slipped away unseen, and yet he was nowhere to be found. I found him later at Building 315, returning from the other end. That's when I realized I hadn't seen him at Building 308 at all, but an entirely different figure. A figure that shouldn't have been there, as the compound was both gated and locked. Understandably spooked, I urged my partner to leave post-haste. He laughed off my concerns until we moved to lock up Building 303. As he switched off one set of lights, an unseen hand flicked them back on, making a believer out of him. We bolted out of the building, leaving only silence in our wake. Despite our experiences, our boss remains a skeptic, insisting that the buildings of Camp Roberts are not haunted. My co-worker and I suspect that this disbelief might be why he makes a point to always leave before sundown. After sharing our tale with a seasoned veteran at our base, we learned that the hospital had once teamed with soldiers recovering from war-inflicted wounds, diseases contracted during service, and even Italian POWs housed at Camp Roberts. The 300 block where we had our encounter was once a place where preparations for the inevitable end were made. So, dear listeners, if you find yourself at Camp Roberts after nightfall, remember our story and stay vigilant. Because when darkness falls, you never know who or what you might encounter. Dear Mysteries After Dark Podcast, I've got a tale to share. The setting? The Alamo. Some years back, I was there strolling through the long barracks. You know the one. It's a long, narrow building now jam-packed with museum displays. The day I visited, it wasn't too crowded, just a thin, meandering line of people. I was standing about the distance of a tennis court away from the entrance 
when I noticed a man heading my way. He stood out, not because of the crowd, but because he walked among us as if he was from another time. He wore rust-colored pants, the kind you only see in the old westerns, tucked into jet-black boots. His white shirt, collar pointed and ties dangling, was lacking proper cuffs, with buttoned pleats cinched at the wrists. Now, this bloke was tall, about six feet, his dark blonde hair curling around his collar. His face had that weathered look, as if kissed by the sun, and behind his gaze, I swear his eyes were blue. The most curious thing, though, was the rifle he carried. It looked just like a Sharps Buffalo rifle. He held it with care, the muzzle pointed towards the floor, a sign of respect. I couldn't help but watch him as he approached. But there came a moment when our eyes were almost about to meet. I had to look away. I didn't want to be caught staring. I glanced down, saw his shadow sweep past me, and then he was gone, vanished, disappeared. The barracks weren't crowded enough for him to hide in plain sight, and he couldn't have reached the door in the blink of an eye that I looked away. I'm quite sure this man was one of the fallen heroes of the Alamo, a haunting echo from Santa Ana's siege. But which one I'll never know. And that, my friends, is a mystery that's stuck with me to this day. Dear Mysteries After Dark podcast, I come bearing a tale that is not entirely my own, but rather one which belongs to a comrade of mine, a member of our ghost hunting troop in South Dakota. The story revolves around her son, around seven or eight years old at the time, and the eerie experiences he had in their old house. Night after night, the young boy would be jolted awake by the presence of an unusual specter in his room. Two figures would make an appearance, a shadow figure, and a golden-hued woman shrouded in a hood. His mother, initially dismissing these accounts as the imaginative ramblings of a child not fully awake, would simply advise him to ignore them. As fate would have it, at a ghost hunting conference sometime later, his mother came across an author working on a book about shadow people. The author's descriptions of these entities matched her son's eerily accurate accounts. This uncanny coincidence jolted her into taking her son's nocturnal encounters seriously. She embarked on a journey to unravel the mystery of the Golden Lady, but her efforts yielded no results. I too have delved into this enigma, poring over books and internet forums, but to no avail. She once left a query on a ghost hunting forum regarding the Golden Lady, only to receive a cryptic response. It is really bad. The individual behind the message, however, declined to provide any further insights. Through my narration today, I reach out to you and your listeners in hopes that someone might shed light on the Golden Lady. I've seen images and heard stories, but still, her identity remains a mystery. If she is indeed a malevolent spirit, I would like to know before we venture back into that house for an investigation. Can anyone within the sound of my voice provide us with any useful information? Any insights or theories would be greatly appreciated. Stay curious, stay vigilant, and as always, keep your eyes open to the mysteries that lurk in the shadows.
Dear Mysteries After Dark podcast, I'm a 50-year-old, clear-headed, and drug-free grandmother hailing from the foothills of the Cumberland Mountains in Tennessee, a place where our dialect drips with a charming rural lilt. Here we don't talk about ghosts, we talk about haints. One frosty winter's night when I was a mere seven years old, I found myself playing hide-and-seek at my aunt's house. The adults were swapping tales by the fireside, their voices dwindling to hushed whispers as their stories took a chilling turn. From my hiding spot, I overheard a tale of a haunted house where the cries of a baby would fill the eerie silence just before midnight, and at the strike of midnight, a coffin bearing an infant would appear. This morbid tale sparked my curiosity, and I boldly confronted the adults. My aunt reassured me, saying that these were simply stories, told to pass the time. Yet her words that, there ain't no sitch a thing as a haint, resonated within me for several decades. As a result, my childhood was devoid of the fears that plagued my peers. I'd stroll through graveyards without a second thought, secure in my belief that haints didn't exist. Even when my own daughter wanted a Ouija board, I didn't hesitate to provide her with one. However, this tranquility was shattered when I began working for a man who sold repossessed mobile homes. One day I was called to inspect a newly arrived double-wide unit bound 087. Upon entering, I was hit with a nauseating stench that seemed to originate from the master bathroom. Despite our rigorous efforts, my co-workers and I could not locate the source of this malador. The odor was sporadic, always accompanied by a pile of dead flies. It was only detectable inside the bathroom, nowhere else. Now, the logical conclusion may have been to attribute these events to something supernatural, but I remained steadfast in my belief that there ain't no sitch a thang as a haint. However, one scorching September day changed my perspective forever. While I was inside 087, I heard the toilet flush. Envisioning some unscrupulous prospective buyer using the unhooked toilet, I marched towards the bathroom, only to come face to face with a gruff, tattooed man. I was taken aback, not just by the man's appearance, but also the fact that he seemed equally surprised by my presence. Before I could react, he vanished into thin air. Suddenly, the belief that there ain't no sitch a thang as a haint was shattered. I found myself questioning my previous strolls through graveyards and considering how to retrieve the Ouija board from my daughter. I managed to keep my composure, continuing my tasks, and never again did I encounter the apparition or the foul odor. The last time I entered Namrijo 87, the only scent that greeted me was the sweet smell of smoked coconut, a success of our diligent deodorizing efforts. Not long after these events, my employer suffered a heart attack, leading to the sale of his inventory, including Damro 87. I often wonder if the new owners of this mobile home, with its three bedrooms, two baths, and charming red shutters, are aware of its spectral tenant. So, dear listeners, if you find yourself in a home that matches this description, I strongly advise you to prepare yourself before venturing into the bathroom. The existence of haints is no longer a question in my mind, and who knows, you might just be sharing your home with one.
Dear Mysteries After Dark Podcast, Let me take you back a couple of summers ago. I was vacationing in North Carolina, bunking in this quaint beach house with my brother. Now there was a third room, but honestly it was too eerie, so we decided to share a room. Picture this, me perched high on a bunk bed, my brother sprawled out on a bed below. One early morning I found myself awake. A mirror hung across the room, and what I saw reflected back nearly stopped my heart. A towering figure, faceless and garbed in antiquated attire. His hat, old-fashioned and imposing. I glanced down at the floor, expecting to see my brother playing some prank, but no one was there. I tell you I was trembling. Fast forward to an afternoon post a fun beach visit. I was in the shower when, through the gap where the curtain doesn't quite meet the wall, I spotted a massive shadow sweeping across the room. I've never rushed out of a shower so quickly. You think that's the end? My mom confessed to feeling eyes on her late at night. An unseen watcher. Spooky, right? The one place I'm not planning on revisiting, let's just say. Oh, and did I mention that we were near Blackbeard's old digs? We even did a tour, which was a chill down the spine. The graveyard tales they recite. Bone chilling. That was the summer of my first brush with the supernatural. It's etched in my memory forever. Tune in next time, dear listeners of Mysteries After Dark podcast, where I might just dig up some more eerie tales from my past. Stay tuned, and remember sometimes the shadows do talk back. Thanks for listening. Sweet dreams, everyone. Well, my dear friends, we've reached the end of yet another winding path. As the evening knits the night, drawing its comforting darkness around us, we must part ways, for now. You've traveled with me through unsettling alleyways of thought, and I hope our journey together has both enthralled and enchanted you. Like a spider's web capturing the moonlight in its delicate dew-drenched threads, until we meet again beneath the gossamer glow of the next moon, I urge you to keep your hearts open, your minds sharp, and your spirits daring. Remember, no star is ever out of reach, and no mystery is ever too daunting to seek. This is your humble grandpa, turning the last page of our ebon-bound book for now. May your dreams be wistful, my friends. Farewell from Mysteries After Dark, a horror podcast, and tread softly into the night. <laughs>